Hi everyone and welcome to How to College for First Gens, where we have real conversations about what it's like to be a first generation student before, during, and after college. For those of you new to the podcast, our goal here is to democratize knowledge that we've gained along the way, learn a bit more about the first gen experience, and hopefully help others going through some of the challenges we've experienced by sharing lessons learned from fellow first gens. I'm Luce, one of the podcast co-hosts and a first generation student myself. Today, we are introducing you to one of our newly appointed board of directors. The board helps guide us in providing you, our listeners, the best and most effective content to reach our mission. We are happy to have them on board and are excited for you to get to know them a little better too. On today's episode, I am happy to introduce you to Mac. I've known Mac since my time at Rice and he joins us with a lot of valuable experience in the world of higher education, student affairs, and civic engagement. And is here today to share with us how he found his passion in helping students. Mac, welcome to the podcast and thanks for being here with us today. Why don't you start with a quick intro for our audience? Thanks for having me. My name is Dr. Mac Griswold. I am currently the Dean of Cadets at California State University Maritime Academy, but have worked at a variety of higher education institutions throughout the country. I grew up in Connecticut and later worked at the University of Connecticut, Rice University in Houston, and the University of Alabama. My interest in particular of working with first-generation students comes from those direct experiences in higher education, seeing the lens through which they viewed higher ed, the struggles that they faced, and the successes that they've had along the way. So connecting with How to College is a natural and easy fit for me. So happy to be here today. Yeah, we are super happy to have you on board, Mac. And I know that you have done a lot for the first generation students and just higher education in general. But let's go ahead and just start at the beginning here with setting the stage. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what your particular journey was going to college, how you decided that college was going to be the thing for you? Well, I, as I mentioned, I, I grew up in Connecticut, fairly suburban area. I was the second youngest of four siblings, particularly close with my, my mother's parents, maternal grandparents. They were major actors in my life. And that's where my nickname, Mac, comes from. My grandfather's last name was McClelland, and he went by Mac when he was younger. So the decision to go to school really was something that was almost a foregone conclusion in my family. Both of my parents were college educated, and I understood from a young age that I was going to go to college and didn't feel any particular pressure to apply to a specific school or a specific field. Later on, for graduate school, that decision was heavily influenced by my mentor. And she had been my hall director when I was an undergraduate resident assistant. And she sort of gave the message that if you're going to advance in higher education, if you want to have more responsibility, more influence, more agency, it would take that step of going to my graduate work. And it was easy and comfortable in some ways because I was working full-time at the University of Connecticut. I was able to keep that full-time employment and chip away at my master's degree semester by semester, credit by credit. And that really was an advantage that I had that I had an employer that supported my advancement in higher education and had some good mentors from that young age. I didn't necessarily connect with too many people as an undergraduate student. And I think that was something later on I learned how important that is for every student, but particularly for first generation students that I saw some that floundered. They didn't find somebody that understood their lived experiences. They didn't have somebody to connect. So I've sort of opened myself up to all types of different mentoring relationships, and it doesn't always have 
have to be along lines of identity. That's important, but I think sharing and showing empathy. When I talk about my personal identity, I am a queer identifying cis man, but the things that really define who I am, I think of myself as a civic mentor, an educator. In terms of personality, I'm a very outgoing introvert, which sounds like a little bit of a paradox, but I know where I get my energy. <laughs> uh, and also as a caretaker. And I think that last piece folds very well into the career choices I've made in higher education, how I want to build support networks for people. For the final step in my, uh, or I will say the most recent step, because I'll never think about being done with my education. The most recent step, finishing up my doctorate in educational psychology at the University of Houston. This was when I was still at Rice University, and I was able to see the influence and the role of research in the practice of higher education. Outside of the academic delivery of what was happening in the classrooms, but the research that could be done to understand students' experiences and to better serve them was something that was really important to me. And again, a different mentor at a different time in my life said, this is the right path for you. And I really had somebody to talk through those decisions with. So that's that's sort of how I wound up on my academic journey. I'll say I was not a particularly good undergraduate student. I, I cycled very high and very low. I went from honors, honors one semester to almost academic probation the next semester, back up to honor roll, back down again. So I, I can understand some of the experiences that people have and the pressures to succeed and also the challenges when you do fail, how to, how to get back up from that. What's the resiliency that's necessary? What's the perseverance that's necessary? And coaching people through that process. So that gives you a little bit of a sense of how I wound up where I am in terms of my educational journey. Absolutely. And I think you've mentioned a couple of key things. I think first and foremost, having that mentor to help guide you along your journey and kind of nudge you in, in these certain directions, because I think a lot of first generation students, particularly with like the grad school, it's, it's one thing to get to and then trying to figure out what to do next and like how to navigate this post-college in life. And so I think a lot of students while in college learn about the whole grad school concept and, and have no idea if it's the right thing for them. But having mentors to help you figure that out along the way is super helpful. And, and for you, I mean, you were working and doing your graduate studies, so you're getting a chance to do both hand in hand. So that must have been pretty helpful. It was good to, to have people that nudged me because at each step, starting my undergraduate, starting my master's degree, starting my doctorate, I said, this is the last one. This is all I'm doing. And it took somebody along the way to say, but but you can keep going if you want to, if it's the right fit for you. And it was welcoming. It wasn't pressured to do. So I'm, I'm fortunate to have had those mentors that sort of showed me the benefit of continuing and, and in some cases persevering through because uh, they weren't always easy paths. But I've appreciated all, all the support I've gotten along the way. Yeah. And I think that definitely helped with like setting up your professional and career journey afterwards because you kind of saw what you were interested in, got the education to better give you the skills to help other students along the way. So kind of diving into that a little bit. So what was your professional career journey like? You finished at UConn and then you stayed on and worked there, then worked through your master's. But how did you, you know go from school to school and how did you really know that the role you were doing was the best fit role for you? Well, I, I really appreciate 
this question because it's one that it's a discussion I frequently have with students because going to college out of nowhere, I had to choose a major and I thought I knew what I was going into. When I look back at it today, I, I just laugh and wonder how could I have thought that that was my path? For some reason, I thought tax law is what I was going into as an 18 year old. <laughs> Clearly not the path that I was cut out for. And, and honestly, the, the realization for me did not come until very, very late in terms of making an academic decision. I had with that path planned on a five-year five-year undergraduate career and walk away with two bachelors, one in political science and one in business administration. And it, it was the experiences I had outside the classroom that heavily influenced me in my undergraduate years. I learned very quickly how much I enjoyed volunteer work, community engagement, in particular with the American Red Cross. And from my institution, there about 10 minutes down the road in a small town, Willimantic, there was a small hometown chapter of the Red Cross. It served nine towns. And I got very involved in teaching with them. Water safety, lifeguarding, first aid, CPR, even babysitting. <laughs> Pretty much if they taught it, I taught it with the exception of one or two courses. That was sort of my entree into civic work. And I learned in college that I not only enjoyed it myself, but I had the ability to help others find their passions and, and define their values and identity through what they chose to commit to. And that was exciting for me in a way that I didn't understand in the moment of how it applied to career and how it applied to my academic work. So I, I actually left the University of Connecticut to go work for the Red Cross. The university was in my service area, so I feel like I never left. But our Center for Community Engagement, called at the time, Center for Community Outreach, started up during my undergraduate time. I helped it get it, get it going. And when the founding coordinator got additional staff line, she invited me back to the university, went through the competitive hiring process. And she knew sort of where my strengths were. It wasn't necessarily my academic success, but it was my ability to connect with people at that point as a near peer, uh, you know, 21, 22, just out of college, I was working with other college students to help them figure out what they cared about and how they could take action in this world. So that, that was particularly important to me. Starting up, I had a strong mentor that showed me sort of a continuum of engagement, public policy work and political engagement to advocacy and activism and everything in between when my focus had been, I want to do direct service. I want to go out and do the hands-on work. So understanding that full spectrum, how can you influence society through different ways of engagement? That took me down to Rice University. It is still in many respects where my heart is. I, I fell in love with the city. I fell in love with the university and I fell in love with the students. So very much, I, I think many of my connections that I still maintain with students, I, I look to Rice University for many of those. If I travel now, I can go to a city and throw out a message and know that I'll get three, four, five people together for, on a day's notice just for let's go for happy hour, let's go get some dinner. But I think it all comes back to they figured out their values through some of their engagement activities. And I think that gives us a very close connection that has, it's what's kept me in my career. It's what kept me in higher ed is knowing that people find their way through some of the activities that I help them with. Absolutely. I think some key points that I, I definitely want to highlight on, I think trying other activities besides just going to class is super important because that's where you really get to know what else is out there. What if, if 
the major you've chosen is, is right for you or are there other passions that you maybe haven't discovered yet? Because I know from my time at Rice that like doing all these extracurricular activities, that's where I got the most joy. It, it wasn't like going to class and, you know, doing homework, not at all. It, it was all the activities that I did besides class that kept me going, that helped me, I think, in, in really graduating and, and getting that degree, just like having that, that support from other people, which I wouldn't have found had I not gone out and, and tried other activities. And then the other thing that I think is really important is, is making those connections, as you say, and just getting to know who's out there, getting to know other people's stories and, and how you may learn from each other. Because I think a lot of first-gen students, you know, when, when they start in college, they're they're so focused on just trying to get through that they, they bury themselves in their books, in the library, and sometimes don't don't see, you know, beyond like those four walls of a library. And I think it's, it's very important to, to stress out to students to really give yourself the opportunity to get the complete college experience. And, and that, it, of course, includes making those connections and, and trying other activities too. And, and I really encourage prospective college students or those that are in college now to seek out whatever their community engagement office is on campus. There are ways that you can connect your academic work with your values and what you want to do to see change in society. And I think that's where if you've got a highly rigorous, demanding curriculum for your major, you don't need to add on, add on, add on. You can leverage different experiences to make sure you're still making academic progress while doing projects and tasks and activities that are meaningful to you and teach you about your academic discipline. So it's 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 easy to merge these things in a way that it doesn't have to be more to do, but more valuable experiences for you. Absolutely. And I found in my experience that like being able to tie those different ends is easiest in college where you have all of these things just naturally meeting each other and people coming up with ideas to mesh these ideas together. So it's it's really the best time to take advantage of the cross between different disciplines and different interests for sure. So one question for you, Mac, is where do you think this interest of, of giving back to your community and just helping students out, where do you think that that interest stem from? Certainly my time as an undergrad and just feeling that I could do something to get involved. That was a piece of it. I, I, I have to say that a significant shift occurred for me when I went to Houston and later on went to Tuscaloosa, Alabama. In those populations and those locations, I was much more exposed to an incredibly diverse student population, extraordinary resiliency in terms of their life experiences, how they identified what they brought to campus, how they communicated with others. And I think for me, it really was that the time at those two institutions, that's 20 years of my career, 13 in, in Houston and six and a half in Alabama. Houston is, is one of the few minority majority cities. There's no one racial or ethnic group that makes up more than 50% of the city. So as a city itself, you have that rich and diverse experience of living there. But Rice University also had a strong emphasis on bringing in students that contributed to the whole university that had their own lived experiences to share. And it helped me understand how my work could shift a little bit and be more responsive to all different types of students as they came in. Going to the University of Alabama, it was not necessarily as racially or ethnically diverse, but you have a campus that is 65% out-of-state students. And within the state of Alabama, you've got five major cities, Birmingham, Huntsville, Montgomery, Mobile, and Tuscaloosa. 
um, but they're not major cities. Then you have an incredibly large rural population in the state. And seeing the impact of socioeconomic status, health disparities, educational disparities in the state, I think that was a new awakening for me. And I, I, I appreciate that the institutions I've worked at have given me chances to grow, not just professionally, but to come to understand the world a little bit better. I don't know that I would have gone to Alabama for many reasons if I hadn't been employed there. Certainly, I would want to see different parts of the country, and I may have gotten to the cities at some point, but I saw much more of the rural part of Alabama than I think even many people that live there experience. So understanding the experience of rural poor, urban poor from Alabama, different socioeconomic status, racial backgrounds, how people express gender and sexuality, all of that has come together in terms of what my interests are and how I try to grow professionally and, and give back to the field. Yeah, that is so interesting because it does seem like you've gotten almost like a full scope of, of different kinds of people that you can meet with your time in, in higher education. And so that's that's really cool that you've been able to do that. And what do you think is, is your what helps you like continue to give back to your communities now that you've met so many different types of communities? Well, I, I have to be honest, I sometimes have to be careful of how deep, how deeply I invest in some, because there's so many things that I want to do, and it's balancing how do you have a full and complete personal life, how do you have a full and complete work life, and how do you have a full and complete civic life? And those are important and tough to manage, and uh, and then for some, it's how do I have a full and complete family life, and on top of that, it's it's not easy. So for me, I anytime I'm looking at a new opportunity, it is how does this align with my values? How do I see myself contributing to an organization in a way maybe that others don't? So if they have a board that already has someone like me, whether that's because of identity, it's because of lived experience, it's because of work experience, I'm looking to be somewhat of the other piece that they're missing maybe. So that could be my professional skills. It could be my work experiences, my connections. So I look for those things and I have my own passions. You know, I'm particularly interested in queer rights. I'm particularly interested in educational equity, in racial and economic disparities, healthcare inequity. So I, I could go on with this list. So sometimes it's tough to narrow down which do I want to give my time to. And I, I think there's this notion in, in giving of your time, talent, and treasures. Can you give time to an organization? Do you have particular skills that you contribute? Or do you have financial contributions that you can make? I try to look at those three facets and determine where can I use what I have in this moment for this organization. Uh, and I think everybody goes through that process. That's not just where I am in my life and my career. As a student, you need to make that balance as well. You're probably not going to be able to make the financial contributions but what experience and skills you have are going to impact uh, what organization you want to work with or where you're most effective at any given time. Yeah, definitely. I think since I've graduated, I've noticed that a little bit more, like where can I plug myself in and when and what makes sense and just trying to balance the whole life and work and, and civic duties and stuff. So it's it's been an interesting journey. So it's very interesting to hear your response. Um, but diving a little bit deeper to specifically how to college first gen, we're super excited to have you on board. And I guess we want to know a little bit more, like what do you think you add to the board and what do you hope to accomplish as part of the board for how to college first gen? 
So I, I mentioned as part of my sort of my identities, I talked about a civic mentor, an educator, and a caretaker in there. I think a lot of my conversations with first-gen students, but also first-gen staff and faculty, they, they were first-gen students, and now they carry that identity with them because they know that it's important that they're visible and accessible. For me, with first-gen, I, I think I'm looking to make sure that I'm able to sort of spread the mission and spread the message of first-gen. How to college to make sure that we're hitting different areas of the country, different institution types, to make sure that people feel welcomed and that they belong uh, in college campuses. A lot of my conversations with first-gen students, when it was revolving around community engagement, there was very frequently this strong sense of, well, I'm doing this work not for me necessarily, but because I feel an obligation to give back. Um, because I had people that supported me in getting me to college, and I want those that come after me to feel that they're supported as well. And, and I, I can appreciate that. I can understand why that motivation is there. So I try to get them to see that there are ways that it can do both. It can help you with your professional and personal development as well as a community. And I think some of those conversations, while they happen one-on-one -on -one and in my office, just talking about their motivations, where it really is particularly helpful is when they share that message with others that don't necessarily share the same identity or lived experience that they have. Why is it so important for you to go on this alternative spring break trip? Why is it so important for you to do this international? Why is it so important that you want to work in this tutoring program on a weekly basis? When we're able to share those experiences, when we're able to reflect on them, and you're able to externalize all those internalized processes, and that's what reflection is. Getting out and sharing that message is incredibly powerful for the for the listener and the speaker. And I think that transformational moment of understanding why something is important to me, those are the conversations that I love. That's that's on a one-on-one -on -one or small group level, but organizationally, I'd love to be able to support efforts for how do we sort of train the trainer? How, how do we work with first-year cadets to spread that message to others? Uh, excuse me, I say cadets, but I'm, I'm at a maritime institution now, so sometimes I slip into cadet versus student. <laughs> but I, I, I really want to see that leadership empowerment. Very seldom do I say we train people to be leaders. I, I more think along the lines of we provide experiences that build skills, competencies, and dispositions to exercise leadership. Because that's not always going to be in a formalized, elected, or appointed role. But you are seen as a leader because of how you exercise authority, knowledge, and skills. So taking that from what is my experience to how can I help others through their experiences, that's that's where how to college comes into play for me and what I what I see is the capacity for what the organization does and can do. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And actually, that brings me back to some of my experiences while I was at Rice and, and working with you, Mac, and those reflections and really it's about those experiences that like really build the leader. So it's it's really interesting to hear you like on your end and how I was on the other end and now it's all come together. <laughs> A lot of these things happen in isolation, and I've, I've sort of built my career around three things that authenticity, transparency, and trust. I, I bring my whole self to work every day. I want the students I work with to see the man behind the curtain. I don't think we should do things in this vacuum of wondering why do we do this activity? Let's tell them how you learn and how you process information is important. So I, I love those conversations because sometimes they'll, they'll say, you sound like a psychologist. Well, educational, educational psychology is my background, but I use it in an educational setting and I use it as, as a civic mentor. So how we use those things, I love those conversations. 
Yeah, that's so funny. It, it, it all makes so much sense <laughs> looking back at it. So what would you say would be some of your greatest accomplishments in either your personal or professional career? Honestly, I think some of my greatest accomplishments are, are less things that I've done and more what I've been able to see the students with whom I've worked accomplish. Seeing the very shy, quiet, reserved student that at the end of their time at an institution is able to stand in front of a crowd and confidently speak about their values. Where is their grounding? What's their heart? Uh, that Those are the moments that I really feel most proud of. I, I, mean, I, can, talk, I can point to specific specific programs that I built that have allowed that to happen, but it's really the change. It's that final learning outcome that I like to see in students. That's that's where I feel like my time is well spent. I feel proud that they did it. Not that I did it, but I helped them see it in themselves. I think those are my points of greatest pride. A second piece I would have to say is more recently, I would say in the last 10 years, embedded in all of my work. Well, and this is true with all community-based work. There have to be elements of equity, inclusion, belonging, diversity, social justice. You, you can't do community-based work without understanding those concepts and truly living them. And I think with a lot of movements in our country right now and more discussions, even if they're divided discussions, um, the fact that we're talking about some issues, I, I'm pleased and proud that a lot of my work has put that more to the forefront. I may be the director of a leadership program or the director of a civic engagement center or now a dean of students, that is my title and my primary role, but so much of how I work is through diversity, equity, and inclusion. I think that's a shift that I'm happy with. I think I can leverage my own skills, and I like that we can model that for all professionals, that you don't have to be a DEI officer. You don't have to know all the answers. You just need to be able to listen to people and understand their experiences, and then take action when you are the only one in the room that is voicing an opinion or concern about systemic problems. You know, take the take advantage of the, the opportunities you have to speak out. And I think that's, I've felt a bit more empowered even at my age when I didn't step up when I was younger that now I feel like I can. And uh, that's something that's felt very comfortable and natural for me, but took a while. Absolutely. And I think it's it's important to note here for our audience too, that like, it's never too late to try to start doing that kind of work and, and help empower those that don't always have a voice. So maybe we'll wrap up with one last question here. So what do you think would be some advice that you could offer other first generation students about, you know, college and life in general? So I, I know how much of the advice is always find a mentor, uh, and I'm going to reinforce that. I'm not going to let that go. Don't don't ever hesitate to just reach out to somebody and say, can we have lunch? Can we grab a coffee? Can we meet for your office hours if it's a faculty member? You don't know where that spark is going to happen. Uh, sometimes it's very intentional, but sometimes it's just the natural result of a, of a conversation where you have a shared experience. So I, I am going to put that out there first and foremost. But second, for me, is directly tied to what my career has been. Find ways to go through a an identity clarification process, a values discernment process. Sit and actually think about what are the most important things in your life. And I don't say things as in physical things, but things of who you are. What motivates you? What, what self do you want to show to the world in a consistent manner? Because what you show to the world is what they expect of you in the future future. So you you determine that. And there are not many times in your life when you truly get to start over. Going to college for the first time or, or subsequent time, if you take a break and you go back, 
you don't you get another opportunity starting a job moving to a new part of the country you bring with you the values that you've been taught by your family by your faith community your shared experiences with friends but you get to decide what to do with them at that point and i think it is really this moment of waking in college it's part of your personal identity development to figure out not just who i who am i because other people expected of me but who am i because of who i want to be um, and i think that is something that you don't get many opportunities to do so as you're getting ready to go to college if that's the if that's the direction you want to go make sure you're thinking about who you want to be not who others want you to be I think that's really great advice and really kind of sums everything up nicely because I I think it's important to continually check in on who you are, what your identity is, because obviously, you know, things could happen, things might change and always taking some time to, as you said earlier, reflect on what's going on in your life and where you want to go so that you can really go in the direction that you're meant to be. So with that, thank you so much, Mac, for joining us today and offering a lot of great insight and sharing a little bit about your story Uh, with our audience. So thank you so much. Great to be here. It's wonderful to see you again, Luz. Our board of directors is made up of amazing individuals with their own interesting life and college journeys that we can also learn from. In today's episode, Mac made sure to remind us about the importance of inner reflection and really diving deep to understand what matters to you, where your values lie, and how you can align your passions with other aspects of your life. Although he started off kind of rocky as an undergrad, once he discovered an excitement in being able to help other students and bring out the best in them, he was able to align his values to his career and make the kinds of impacts he is most proud of. We challenge you to take a bit of time to reflect on your own life and think about what's important in your own life. For more information about our board or to subscribe to our newsletter, check out our website at howtocollegefirstgen.org. If you prefer to reach us on social media to share with us your experience as a first gen, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Remember, you are not alone in this journey. Until next time. <laughs>